What's up, Star City? Today we're talking with Lincoln punk extraordinaire Mike Elfers. He's been playing music in Lincoln since 2002. Um, currently, he's playing with Thirst Things First, which is sort of a futuristic, oil-themed space band. Um, they're led by a virtual overlord who plays with them on TV while they play shows. You just gotta see it. It's truly incredible. He also plays with the Killigans, and he does a whole bunch of other creative stuff in his free time. Um, I mean, he's been he's been around. One time, his old band, the JV All-Stars, even got Perkins with Fallout Boy after opening for them. He's got a lot to talk about. I'm Mark Champion, the senior culture editor at the DN. And I'm Jenna Thompson, the assistant culture editor at the DN. Mike, take it away. All right, Mike Elfers here. Uh, I play in a band here in Lincoln called Thirst Things First. We're kind of a wacky space, futuristic punk band. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be playing the newest single, AFAF. Uh, this is kind of an important piece of Thirst Things First history, which I, I realized when I was putting on my shoes today that the band's been around for nine years, which is oh, wow. crazy. Uh, but that's just how time you know, moves fast as you get older. And <laughs> started my 37th year of life this last Friday. Uh, you're constantly thinking about things like that. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Happy belated birthday. Thank yeah, you. I appreciate <laughs> it. So not, not to get super senior citizen or anything, but <laughs> when I moved to Lincoln in 2002 to play music, there was one woman that played guitar in a band. Uh, and it was, it was strange. I remember you know, becoming a part of the expanding scene, coming from a small town and just being like, where are the girls at? <laughs> like, seriously. Yeah. And uh, fortunately, uh, around the time that me and some of the guys in JV All-Stars started getting more hands-on with the uh, Academy of Rock program and stuff like that, uh, by no uh, act of ourselves, but we just we just noticed that the scene was changing rapidly and becoming more diverse uh, with more, you know, mixed genders and races. And it was something that was really important and as I started to kind of reevaluate re what Thirsting's First was, uh, I was like, man, it's like four white guys in their 30s. <laughs> <laughs> like, no wonder we like can't get people to come to our show. Our show's supposed to be a party. And so I just hopped on Facebook. I telemarketed for 20 years, so I'm friends with a ton of people in Lincoln. Oh, wow. Just said, you know, hey, I want my band to be more fun. And uh, with that came uh, the addition of uh, Aramara, and Megan Spain, who uh, sing with me now full-time. And this is the first song that kind of uh, shows that. Awesome. It's called AFAF. Uh, I'm friends with a guy named Alex Franz that lives in Omaha. And uh, kind of our inside joke was that his initials were AF, so if I saw him, I'd be like, AF is fuck, AFAF. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, he... Uh, he got cancer a couple years ago, and he's a big Thirsting's First fan. So I said, hey, man, I'm going to write a song called AFAF, and it's going to be this big fun party. It's going to make you feel good. And then maybe we can, like, sell it and get you, like, the $6 we've on <laughs> Spotify. And uh, <clears throat> fortunately, he's fine. He's in remission. Uh, but unfortunately, the way that I write songs in Thirsting's First is kind of the way that, like, Notorious B.I.G. would write a song. So, like, 80% of the lyrics are just self-promotion. <laughs> And then you have like another 20% to try to fit a hook. Uh, <laughs> and 
So this is just a song about how sweet Thirst Things First is? Yeah, gotcha. So something we can all relate to. Yeah. <laughs> so here goes. <laughs> I'm not trying to be a dick, man. I'm trying to be that guy that's trying to have enough oil for Saturday. <laughs> So first, have a good time all the time. That is a quote. Uh, that's my brother's like motto, or it was mm -hmm. one like drunken summer. My brother's <laughs> also no notably like kind of mad all the time. Mm. <laughs> He's like a lot less upbeat than me, <laughs> so it was kind of ironic. So I thought we had to put it in a song. Uh, I wanted to go back to that verse and just point out how uh, erratic and unnecessary the amount of words I tried to put in there, <laughs> because what you're gonna hear as the song continues is that Aramara and Megan had to learn how to be stupid like me. Mm. And it took a lot of, uh, of practice at the chop house, but we, <laughs> we were finally figuring each other out. <laughs> So in Thirst Things First, oil also means all beverages and, okay. all, and all currency. Hmm. Oh. It's not just an alcohol thing. I want people to know that. I was curious. So water's that. oil. Uh, beer is oil. And uh, more recently, as I've lost my mind at my house over the last year, <laughs> uh, I've written another record and uh, determined that beverage is something that you put in your car. Oh, okay. Hmm. That makes sense. So who's Lord Boot? I heard that too. Lord Boot is an overlord who, breaking kayfabe here, is like me dressed like M. Bison in front of a green screen of my house. <laughs> and when we perform live, uh, we play to a backing video with the company music. And so I play Boot on the green screen. He's like a transmission that kind of like orders the crowd to drink the drink in their hand, whatever <laughs> it may be. And uh, so uh, the premise of the band is that he's like controlling all of and making us uh, spread his message about oil. How did that come to be? Um, I played in a pop punk band for a really long time, and we did some cool things. We toured a whole lot. We released records in Japan and did all sorts of sweet stuff. And at the time, you know, looking back now, I think we spent so much time focusing on the national side of things that maybe we fell to the wayside here. But like I, mm. we just we couldn't get like a Journal Star article. Oh, we couldn't yeah. get like like here we were like low on here Nebraska's like radar, and it bummed me out. Mm. Like I just felt like maybe we were just kind of being 
like neglected because we played this like child's music of pop punk or something. Okay. And so as I was chatting with the co-founder of the band and ex guitar player, Alec, he uh, moved away a, a year or two ago. Of JV All-Stars? Or of of Thirsting's Burst, okay. sorry. Uh, <clears throat> him and I decided we were going to start Thirsting's Burst. And we were, it was like a year and a half of like Whiskey Wednesdays of just talking about what this band was going to be before we had a song written. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, I asked my brother, like, hey, dude, are you going to drum in this? He's like, I hate dubstep music. I don't know what the hell this is. <laughs> but I'll do it. Dubstep. And so it was kind of like every time we came up with an idea, it just became law right away. It was like, don't look back, unless, it, unless it's like offensive or horrible. Or something. Yeah. So it was like, so we made up the oil stick, not even knowing it was going to become like a drinking game on stage. Yeah. And then what we wanted, if you remember Nickelodeon face on like Nick Jr., it was just a face, like a smiley face on a colored screen, and it would talk in between commercial breaks and stuff. Oh, weird. And so we thought like, what if we had this alternative member of the band that was on a TV? Okay. And... I sure as hell didn't want it to be me. <laughs> but then I realized, oh, whoever's going to be this character is going to have to put, you know, hours of work into this. Yeah. Before the show, in addition to practice. And I also kind of realized that I'm the guy in every band I've ever played in where my bandmates are like, dude, just chill. <laughs> my bandmates are always like, slow down, dude. You're writing too much. Yeah. You're, you're pushing us too hard. Mm -hmm. You want to practice too often. And so I, I, th I thought, oh, this is perfect. I can like do all the work in my, at the time, this like tiny apartment and uh, be boot and get all this shit ready. And then <laughs> like go to band practice with a, with a thumb drive and we'd plug into our bass player's laptop. And, uh, mm. and then they'd get to hear the show unfold at the last practice before the show. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, the that's what my stupid band is. <laughs> <laughs> it's very creative. Yeah, I'm, I love it. Honestly. I should be on meds, but <laughs> all right, take it away, Aramara, whose name is Armor A. In oh. Thirst Things First, everybody's got a name but me. Megan Spain's <laughs> name is Mega Spain, which I am a big fan of. Naturally. Love that. Here we go. <laughs> solo from Craig Ryer, uh, whose name is Palindrome Man, hmm. because his last name, Ryer, is a palindrome. Uh, and recently, upon writing a new record, I realized that Aramara is also a palindrome, so... Oh, my we'll, God. We'll, we'll be getting into that soon. <laughs> uh, Some delegations. Uh, this song was recorded by Maddie Sanders here in Lincoln, a uh, great friend of mine. I uh, played in JV All-Stars with him for years, and mixed by Chris Fogel at Black and Bloom Studios. 
Back in Bloom Studios in Denver, Colorado. We're going to find <laughs> out which one it is. <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's finish this stupid song. <laughs> you're going to. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> so if you go to consumeoil.com, uh, we made a music video for that during COVID. So we recorded it, uh, I think, in February of, of 2020. So like everything was normal. We, we were just recording a song with Maddie mm-hmm. and uh, took our time. And uh, Maddie like approached me, I think it was like April and was like, Hey man, I'm really depressed. COVID's like, you know how COVID either like put you in a funk or made you more creative. Definitely. Matt, Matty was like on the funk side. He was like, dude, I, I don't think I can mix your song. Like, oh. and I was like, no, I get it. And at this time, among all, all the bands I play in too, it was just like I could see that, that yeah, that switch going off. Where some of my friends were like reaching out to me more, mm-hmm. and some of my friends were like, I quit forever. <laughs> uh, so that's uh, Chris Fogel's uh, a friend. Uh, I'm a huge fan of his old band, The Gamets, and I fe- I got I I got a quote from him, and I was like, oh my god! I'm like, if we all put our COVID cash together, we can afford this. <laughs> and uh, then you know, I was like, oh, I got a stimulus, and I'm still working, so I bought seven green screen kits with like the <laughs> oh. screen and like the yeah. the like wire to hang it up, and I mailed it to everybody in Thirsting Spurs, and so. I just said, okay, I know this is weird, but I need you to just like rock out to the song in your tracksuit as if you're in the room with us and send it to me, you know, from your cell phone. And the, we got a pretty wide range of quality <laughs> from everybody, as you can imagine. Uh, Megan is a little more shy. So mm-hmm. I think she had to maybe like chug some wine and like, <laughs> like tell her husband to stay upstairs so she could dance yeah. in front of the green screen. Uh, but by the end of it, we had like some pretty cool stuff, and I was feeling the most creative I felt in my life during those times because I it was the only thing to take me away from my wife and child <laughs> for a second. You know, <laughs> uh, my daughter's about to turn four, so this entire wow. last year, I've been working from home, and oh, she's wow. been screaming <laughs> Paw Patrol like right next to me and I love her so much but it just doesn't end yeah and so it was like oh I'm gonna go outside uh, honey I, I'm gonna build this like super computer for this music video I'm making and then destroy it with a shovel it's <laughs> like just make sure you're inside in time to cook dinner <laughs> so uh Matt Maestrick is an amazing videographer I love he, that. he's done uh RMR is obviously in Histrionic as well. He's done her music video. He did a Freak About video. Uh, everything he touches is 
awesome. So I reached out to him right away and I said, like, all right, so I, I shot some stuff with my phone. I have a whole bunch of green screen footage where everybody's heads are different size. <laughs> you know, like, can you make it look like we're in the same room and can you make it gnarly and can you do what you do but just without your, like, sick cameras? And, yeah. And he was excited to do it. And our band's weird anyways, you know? So, like, he kind of rolled with our weirdness and yeah. super proud of that video. I'm, I'm very, very excited. I'm, I was, like, going to say, like, hey, dude, can I start, like, just paying you monthly to <laughs> prepare to pay for the next music video? Because yeah. I want to do so much more with him. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, his band, Fastness Rex, Rex yeah. right? they're pretty weird, too. Yeah, yeah. And he did stuff for the Bogusman people. Mm. Which I, I call them bogusmen. Bogusmen. <laughs> <laughs> um, I saw on Instagram today that uh, it looks like maybe Thirst Things First was maybe practicing or something. We have been like, so we have like a group Facebook page where we like, you know, send each other stupid memes and stuff. And uh, this whole last year, it's been like. What's everybody think? Yeah. <laughs> and there's, there's been a, like, so we set up, we did some shows uh, for Zipline over the summertime mm. where people would order, like, X amount of Zipline delivery, and Thirsting's First would essentially deliver it to you. Yeah. Like, Aww. legally, a Zipline guy had to actually go do it, <laughs> uh, since we don't have a liquor license. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so what we did was we set up the show like I made a video and just had electronic drums and we backed my Honda CRV that RMR was driving so that I, I didn't have to. <laughs> and uh, we, we'd back the CRV into people's driveways, plug in an orange extension cord, and we had like my studio monitors and my uh, big oh, okay. TV with a, a show from Boot. And then uh, Craig bought a little battery powered orange amplifier. And <sighs> my brother sat in a lawn chair and drank whiskey. <laughs> and uh, looked pissed off. And uh, me and the girls uh, bought these neon green megaphones and just kind of shouted the lyrics of the songs out of them as, as much as best we could, uh, while all wow. while wearing masks. Wow! So super fun. My mask was like soaked. <laughs> but we uh, we did that, and then we we did a bonus one in the freezing cold for our friend Vince's birthday, because wow. uh, his wife was like do you think you guys could do it really? like one more time? And we were like, are you kidding me? That was like the only thing we've had that's felt like a show yeah, since all totally. of this, like since Valentine's day was our, our last mm. actual show at Duffy's. And, uh, so we did that and then cases started spiking and we were like, <laughs> well, that was really fun. Let's not take that for granted. Yeah. And so ever since it's been this like, so you guys ready? I got yeah. a new demo. And then like, <laughs> all right, we're going to do this Monday and then somebody would bail and then somebody would bail. And so this uh, Monday was supposed to be our first practice back. And then, uh, Craig was like, me and my wife are visiting her sister's like super pregnant sister, Mm. like tomorrow. Uh. It's like, we talked about it and I'm just going to wait till next week. Yeah. And who knows what's going to happen next month. Yeah. I, I don't really care, but Jordan and I, I mean, we're brothers. So I was like, you know, I miss you. We didn't get to hang out for my birthday. We, we never hang out anymore because he works at a bar and I'm mm. sitting at home. Yeah. <laughs> so we got together and we listened to the like now 13 demos that I've written <laughs> for our new record, The Beverage Death Race. And uh, <laughs> it was real simple. We just sat in two corners, had our spike seltzers. And uh, I played a song on my cell phone just like I just did. And 
explain what the song was about <laughs> best I could to my brother who was like crying and like writing, <laughs> writing it on a whiteboard. And then we took a picture of it and just to say like, yeah, practice is back. Yeah. As soon as you guys are comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> That's exciting. Okay. What's sand? To be determined, actually. Oh, okay. We know that it's negative, <laughs> but we never got around it. Like that was where Alec and I dropped the ball. Alec and Alec and I, you know, did every all, created all of that. Jordan angrily played drums, and then Nate, uh, our bass player, who we call Laser, because he he got LASIK like the week that he was going <laughs> to come back. Uh, so we, we were like the four piece of Thirsty's first. So by the time Laser joined, we played without a bass player, which is ridiculous. We were like, "Oh, the computer will like pick up the." <laughs> no, no, we, we just sounded really bad. Yeah, and. Uh, by the time Laser came, we had so much momentum that we like forgot all about the sand thing. Mm. <laughs> so, so you're taking suggestions about well, what sand could be. Well, on Beverage Death Race, there's some references to sand. Like usually, it's just an insult, like eat sand or <laughs> stay away from sand. But on this album, <laughs> it's about a death race. So, like every every song is about like a different race mm. and uh, like a tournament. And the last one is debauchery at Mount Sand. Hmm. And so I'm thinking about having like a radio announcer, or like a TV host, like kind of explain the plot in the middle of the album so that it actually isn't totally nonsensical. Mm. And then maybe we can elaborate as to what sand is. Nice. Interesting. We did play, we played this like UNL Earth Day thing when that stupid Vega place was still open. Oh, I and, forgot uh, about that place. And like it was for Earth Day and it was like when the woke movement was like <laughs> freshman year of college. And <laughs> there was a moment where the crowd is like, but we don't like oil. <laughs> and I had to like drop oh, the no. veil entirely and be like, it means drink your beer. <laughs> and then everybody had a bl- it was like the most fun show ever. But for a really? moment, it was like, I'm a very yeah. political person. First things first is a joke. Yeah. <laughs> very, very elaborately stupid joke. Yeah. It's kind of sad that you had to explain that. <laughs> um, how do you feel now that it kind of seems like shows might be coming back? Do you guys have anything lined up? No. Uh, the Killigans do. I play drums mm. in the Killigans. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it, especially with First Things First, because... Mm. It's supposed to be a party. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like a put your arm around your friend party. And to be quite honest, I mean, there's seven people in Thirst Things First. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Eight if you include Boot. So it's like a super, <laughs> like the stage itself is a super spreader event. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I. Computer virus. I mean, I want to make sure that like, yeah, that would be so fun. But I think it might be offensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah. to honor the Tread dead. But, uh, <laughs> but it has crossed my mind. No, I. Uh, <laughs> I want to make sure everybody in the band is comfortable first. And along with that, I want everybody in the band's like partners and families to be comfortable with it as well. Cause there's a lot of moving parts in this and and we all have different family members with different, you know, health conditions and Mm -hmm. and reasons that they're getting vaxxed before other ones and stuff like that. So, but as far as, you know, after that, I I guess I might be more eager to do like more, some more live stream stuff. Mm Mm-hmm but maybe full band and not like <laughs> me dancing in yeah. front of my Nintendo games and singing into a microphone. Did uh, you guys do Lincoln Calling? We did, but we like super cheated. Okay. 
when we were doing the AF AF green screen stuff, I actually had us play some songs. Oh. Because I realized my brother, I was like, I had my brother play drums, shot it with my iPhone, played guitar, shot it with my iPhone, <laughs> and then like listened to it, and I was like, oh, this actually sounds better than like <laughs> the bandwidth is going to allow anybody's like really? acoustic stream to sound anyways. Yeah. So we we put a pre-prepared video on Lincoln Calling and said it was live. Really? Is that yeah. news? Is that breaking news? <laughs> the, guy, that, the guy, the guy, <laughs> whoever it was that actually like put the final piece together, I was like, can you put the live button on the top? He's like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> but then I think just the way the software works, I think it did say live. Oh, live. really? <laughs> so I was like, all right, we got away with it. That's funny. But that was fun because we got to like, there's, you know, it's, there's a chat on the side, like on YouTube or whatever. So like all seven of us were commenting on there, making fun of each other. Really? <laughs> Look at how mad Nate looks right there. Yeah. Everybody watching is like, wait, aren't they playing? <laughs> what, no, let me get one thing clear about Thirsting's First. Every time we play a show that's like Lincoln Calling, 80% of the people that are watching us are like, where the hell did this come from? And what, <laughs> and what the hell is it? Like, because it's, it's, a, it's a really good source of exposure. Definitely. If we're just asking our buddies to come to a show, it's going to be in front of 20 people anymore. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, I think the only time I've seen you guys was at either Lincoln Calling or Lincoln Exposed a couple years ago. And it was, I remember there were so many people that I couldn't even see like everything that was happening, mm-hmm. but everybody was losing their minds and it was just one of the most insane things I've ever seen. It's a stressful situation as you're like <laughs> trying to like, you know, I'm a shaker in general, but like I get super nervous before I play shows. Really? Like, so I'm like trembling, trying to plug an HDMI cord <laughs> into a laptop, into like a TV. And then like, does the TV work that day? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then right after I'm done with that, I like step on my pedal board and accidentally unplug the whole thing. <laughs> like, and then I drink too much. So like when I met you, I, was, oh, I thought yeah, about that today because yeah. I met you after the show. Yeah, and I was I like, about that. that's so funny because I'm going to have to remember what that guy looks like at all. <laughs> <laughs> because we're like partying. Yeah. And it's such a stressful, like, as we're preparing for it, it's like, dude, if our TV goes out, our our show's done. Yeah, dude. Mm-hmm. Our entire show revolves. We never played a show without our backing stuff. So it's like, oh, wow. Once it's finally, once we're a well oiled machine, I'm like mm-hmm. so excited and we all <laughs> overindulge. Yeah. <laughs> That's Drink funny. responsibly, college kids. Is uh is kind of like when I saw you guys, it any sort of like shakiness or nervousness was like not coming through at all. So is that kind of do you get taken over by the music or is it Yeah. He becomes Lord Boot. <laughs> <laughs> I did notice and I noticed this when I was like screaming at a at a jerk that was like being an anti-masker in my favorite sushi restaurant. Oh. I was wearing my sunglasses and I cursed at a woman. And it was like <laughs> Sunday right after church. Oh, wow. And it was like, it was kind of the only time I've ever been mean in my life. Yeah, yeah. But like. <laughs> That's fair. They, she was like blocking the doorway and I was like, hey, ma'am, can you like move out of the way or put a mask on? I have to walk past you. And I'm mm-hmm. like, and the woman was just, you know, she just like fed me the like. <laughs> Well, <laughs> you know, masks don't work because this is all, cre- you know, oh, and, I, was, and no. I don't know what happened. Like my wife was in the car waiting for me. And so I, I told her off and then her husband was like 
putting his mask on. He like was gonna listen to me. Okay. And I was like, I'm not gonna say it, but I said some rude things to him too. <laughs> and my wife thought like I bumped into an old friend because of how like <laughs> loud I was. Yeah. And I was like, drive. <laughs> I just yelled at a family. But that's when I realized I think that uh, that when I'm wearing sunglasses and that track and that tracksuit, I, I probably feel a little bit more invincible than I do okay. normally. <laughs> Uh, so you were wearing your tracksuit to the sushi? No, no that's uh, I wasn't wearing the tracksuit, but I was wearing the sunglasses. Gotcha. And uh, I was preparing to rip some sake bombs in my house. <laughs> uh, but no, for me, as an anxious person, it's like it's there, it's there, it's there. Oh my god, I'm gonna have a heart attack. Oh my gosh! And then like we hit that first hit, and then everything's fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's really weird. And uh, it can come back in the middle of a set or something. But in a band where you're singing about space, <laughs> if the singer were to suddenly just start contorting his body <laughs> or like, you know, when I'm panicky, I like just like do weird things in my body. Sure, you know, I might yeah. like sit down really fast because I'm like scared I'm going to fall over or something. <laughs> so in this band, it just looks normal. They're just yeah, like, oh, he's rocking so. out. <laughs> I'm like, yep, on the floor. <laughs> So, um, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask about the Killigans. Mm-hmm. So they're more of a serious group. Yeah, definitely. The Killigans, uh, n- notably, the Killigans have been around for 20 years. Oh, like, wow. They I started, yeah, they started in the year 2001. So, as you can imagine, they have a reputation. And I, I joined as their drummer uh, of you know, 16, 17 of those years quit. So I had big shoes to fill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. They had a reputation. I'm kind of a douche. I don't know if you can <laughs> tell. And uh, so that band was like, hey, we play Oktoberfest and we play Husker Tailgates and oh, we play wow. at every brewery in town because we play like, you know, drinking Irish music and yeah. stuff and mm-hmm. folk punk and stuff like that. So they were like, hey, can you learn a hundred songs? And, uh, and I did. Oh my God. And uh, I kind of developed kind of a weird knack for it, actually. Uh, just Pokemon Go just came out <laughs> when I joined the Killigans. <laughs> I have my stupid wristband on right now. Uh, Wait, what is the wristband? It's. Never mind. <laughs> it's so you can, it's it. Uh, if you have your wristband activated, it automatically throws a red ball at any Pokemon that might be around. Oh wow! And uh, so if you're like, if you're driving past Antelope Parkway on a on a Pokemon Go event day, and you see like seven hundred of the weirdest looking people walking around <laughs> with two cell phones in each hand, they have this wristband too. Wow! So you're you're still playing Pokemon? Oh hell yeah! Okay. Yeah, I didn't know it was still going I on. Well, and that's all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna defend myself in two ways. <laughs> <laughs> One, I don't like quitting things. Like I still play Simpsons Tapped Out. <laughs> I found a way to make it so that I only have to open it like once a day. But like, I have a really hard time quitting things until they're done. Yeah. And so when those games came out. I like washed my hands of a couple other cell phone games that everybody was playing, like Candy Crush and mm. Angry Birds and stuff, because it was just giving me anxiety. Because I'd be like, "Oh, I gotta go look at my phone." Yeah, I downloaded Pokemon Go and I didn't know what it was. And then I saw, oh, it promotes walking. I was mm. like, 
I love walking. I bought a car when I was 26. Oh, wow. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I moved to the other side of Lincoln and needed to get to work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I was like, all right, so how's this Pokemon? Oh, if I walk, Pokemon Go is going to help me out. I love walking. I have to learn 100 songs <laughs> by St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> uh, so I just, I'm a night owl. So I just walked for, you know, every night as soon as, I don't know, 11 p.m. hit, I'd walk around till like 2 in the morning or something. Just try to wrap my head around a couple more Killian songs each time. And all the while, like, kicking ass at Pokemon. <laughs> just becoming, like, the coolest dork ever. And I'll never forget there was this time that I decided to go out on, like, a sun- Sunday early evening. And uh, I saw this weird neon light coming towards me on the bike trail. And I didn't know what it was. And I realized it was one of those hoverboard things that everybody had, <laughs> but it had neon lights and like Neo from the matrix was riding it. <laughs> like he had a full trench coat that went down to his ankles. It was this like high school kid, young kid. And he had like Captain Kirk hair. <laughs> Sorry. He had Leonard Nimoy hair <laughs> and, uh, and sunglasses. And it was like dark. And I I was just like, look at this dork. (laughs) And then I saw him look at me and he like saw me like stabbing my phone to catch a Pokemon. Like, look at that dork. And I was like, (laughs) oh my gosh, I'm a dork. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, the Killigans is super fun. Uh, There are 35, I'm not joking, there are 35 children among all of the members of the Killigans because there's seven Killigans and some of them are Catholic. So like. (laughs) Oh, wow. When I joined the band, they were like, hey, uh, I think that we want, you know, I tried out or whatever. And they were like, I think this is going to work. I was like, all right, well, before you do anything, we haven't announced yet because it's too early, but my wife's pregnant with our first child. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, perfect. That means you're definitely going to fit because <laughs> we're all dads. And so what I miss about those guys, uh, we finally practiced last week. Uh, what I miss about those guys especially is like they are my dad squad cute they're like hey like i like computers and calculators and i don't know how to like use a screwdriver can you guys like help me out you know they're like real old school but like strong guys uh and they know a lot about parenting and they have a lot of different perspectives that i've found very useful especially this last year while i've been loving my daughter but wishing i wasn't with her every second of the day (laughs) Um, are we allowed to talk about the new histrionic record at all? Um, I can tell you what I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious what it's like going from working with a bunch of dads to working with Aramara. So, and this is really funny because I, I started interviewing punk bands and stuff, uh, over the last year. And I asked some artists that I think are like really popular punk bands, like Pears, Suicide Machines, Goldfinger. I like reached out to s- people in these bands. I'm interviewing uh, Sum 41 tomorrow. <laughs> Sweet and, Lord. And I did it by asking the bass player on Instagram. Like, no joke. Like, wow. hey, I'm, I'm kind of an idiot, but like, and if this is like, if I need like a publicist or something, you can just tell me to, you know, yeah, F off. Yeah. But like, artists are really bored right now. Mm-hmm. Oh. I, I realized. And so I've built some really strong connections and, and actually some friendships with some people that I grew up listening to when I was 12. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool. Uh, I taught 
RMR at Academy Rock when she was really young. And I, it was for a very brief time. She was in a three-piece, and one of the kids, like, is in jail now as far as I'm, you know, he was horrible. He was like, really? hmm. it went from, like, the Academy Rock glory days, like, when me and Nick from JB All-Stars did it, to me, like, my first year of marriage being like, I think I actually kind of want to make a little bit of extra money, and maybe I'll get back into this. But this one kid was so terrible that I quit. Oh, wow. Mm. And it was the thing where, like, I'd go to his stepdad and be like, hey, uh, your son called Aramara a slur today. Really? And his, his dad would be like, oh, well, yeah, well, he was staying at his stepdad's this last weekend, so that's probably why. And it was like Jesus no accountability Christ. at all. Mm. And it's like I quit, and I was like, and she was the only person that I was really invested in as a student. But I, mm-hmm. I looked at her, and I was like, hey, I'm getting out of here. Uh, <laughs> but keep doing this. And, like, I can just tell, like, you're going to be playing at shows at the zoo bar when you're, like, 20. Like, it's, yeah. like, n- totally natural. You and I have enough in common creatively that I can tell you that you're, like, playing for all the same reasons that I always did. And mm-hmm. that's why I enjoyed teaching her. Uh, and then, yeah, of course, now she's in charge of the local music scene. <laughs> like, so when, when I reached out about Thirsting's First, getting new members and stuff, she texted me right away. She's like, yeah, so I'm in the, I'm in TTF now. And I was like, okay. <laughs> she just told you. Yeah. Says. I was like, we have a bass player. She's like, I don't care. I'll sing. I'll do whatever. I don't care. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, can you still play saxophone? She's like, yes. Mm. And I was like, okay, cool. I really didn't want it to be like a, like these like showgirls in the band. Like, I, I think that's kind of offensive. Yeah. Mm. And so that's why. I, th- I think AFAF is kind of uh, evidence of, of where the band is going forward, where mm-hmm. we just have three singers and three very different personalities that are going to be able to deliver the songs in different ways, which is exciting. But yeah. uh, So she asked me to finish uh, the histrionic record with her. I played a little bit of drums and a little bit of guitar. Uh, I heard Call Me, saw the music video for Call Me. Uh, I really like that stuff. The three songs that I got to do with her... I. I think are amazing. <laughs> uh, and b- just being someone that's in charge all the time of my music and like mm. handing people guitars and be like, play it this way. Yeah. There's, there's something that really uh, sprouted when I was in the Killigans and, and even more so under RMR's direction where it was just like, wow, I really like sitting back and like doing what I love, which is playing music. Mm-hmm. And it, it, uh, it's funny, you know, she's 21, but she challenged me musically more than I felt challenged in, in years by doing those three songs. Because I was wow. like, well, I, I got to do this her style, right? You know, mm. it's Definitely. not just the Mikey Elfers show. Yeah. On this. <laughs> so I'm stoked. I think that when those songs drop, she's going to, you know, quit Thirsting's First and like move to, <laughs> move to Hollywood. And yeah. <laughs> like play shows naturally. <laughs> but we'll see. That's cool. Um one other thing about Thirst Things First that I need I need to get laid out. Um, <laughs> I was looking back through some DN articles, uh, trying to find things to talk about, and I found one that said um, during a Thirst Things First show there was a, an electronic voice saying the cat's mouth is cleaner than the beef. That's very simple answer. Yeah. Uh, as I said, when the band started but hadn't written a song yet or picked up an instrument yet, uh, 
it was during Whiskey Wednesday. <laughs> so my guy friends and I, and this is so funny because it used to be something we were like so proud of. And then <laughs> like September 1st, 2004, a few of my telemarketing buddies that I'm still friends with and I had enough money to buy this little 750 of Evan Williams bourbon. And we split it and we got hammered. And we were like, this stuff is cheap. <laughs> and we're getting paid on Friday. So let's do it again next Wednesday. Let's get a couple more bottles and let's invite a couple more dudes. Yeah. It was definitely a dude's zone, though. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, we just talk music and play video games and get high. And I don't smoke personally, but um, so it, fast forward to 2011, we're still doing this every Wednesday. <laughs> like I think I had wow. missed, I had missed like four <laughs> because I got the stomach flu or like you know, uh, and Alec and I would just it was the one night a week that him and I would really hang out. I lived in an apartment by myself, so I, as you can tell, like the sound of my own voice. And so <laughs> him and I would just like, meh, 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 meh. Yeah. And as we were arguing about what some facet of the Thirsting's First Universe was, uh, somebody had this ground beef out. This house had a bunch of roommates. Because we were going to make sliders. We, made, we, st- we got old enough to start making food for each yeah. other <laughs> at Whiskey Wednesday. And uh, this cat, the long cat, in fat cat, long cat, actually, uh, oh, wait, the restaurant? No, there's there's a Thirsting's first song called Fat Cat, Long oh, Cat. Oh, okay, gotcha. And it's about uh, these two cats that had relationship problems. Oh. And one of them lived at this house, and the cat jumped up on the counter and started licking the ground beef. Okay. And somebody was, like, disgusted, like, anti-cat person was like, oh, my God, the cat's <laughs> licking the ground beef. And my little brother was a little high, and he was just like, Cat's mouth is cleaning the beef. <laughs> <laughs> and so it, that's those little callbacks that we're like always going to throw in there because oh, I, yeah. I have this understanding having lived through uh, a band called Corn becoming commercially successful <laughs> and starting their band name with a K. It's like if you repeat something enough times, I mean, look at our government. Right? <laughs> it's like if you say the cat's mouth is cleaner than the beef enough times, some strange listener is just going to be like, I guess it is. <laughs> <laughs> he just sang that, and I don't know why, but I believe him. Yeah. And so is that is that kind of your goal with this band, to just make people believe things? My goal now is to send a demo to Nate and have him think it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so I send him all 13 of the new songs, and he's like, I think you need to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> why do you say that? Because I somehow worked that uh, we like to party, that Six Flags. I like I worked it into an end of a song and I sent it to him and he was just like, I was like people are gonna puke when they hear this live, (laughs) and he was like I think I might puke. Yeah. So when I when I get like a stamp of approval from Nate, who I think is like the funniest, most misunderstood, funny person I've ever met, then I know that I have gold and I can be proud of it. Yeah. That's fair. That's funny. So you're a writer too, right? Yeah. I mean, my f- I, I don't like using that word because my dad's a journalism professor. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. So like he would look at what I do and just be like, God, what an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. <laughs> but yes, uh, when I was a kid, there was a website on, on this thing called Netscape, on this thing called <laughs> DSL Internet. Uh, punknews.org and it was like the place to go for music news 
It was where you'd, you'd find out about the drama. You'd find out when the new Blink record was coming out, whatever, yeah. tour dates, interviews. Uh, it was a goal of mine throughout the JV All-Stars career to get published in punk news. That was like one of the little many things I wanted to accomplish. Always sent them records, didn't hear back. Uh, and then as I started to meet more people and social media started to expand, at one point, uh, somebody that I was friends with on Facebook, but I didn't know who they were, one of those situations, Yeah. Uh, said, hey, I'm looking for people to write for punk news. And I was like, was floored. I was like, hey, dude, what took you so long? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, well, we're, what are you trying to get out of this? Because we're not going to pay you. And I was like, oh, I want to get torn apart in the comment section after like <laughs> talking about a messed record or something. Yeah. Like, you know, I want them to call me a poser. And he was like, all right, you're in. <laughs> and uh, throughout my friendship with him, I was like, I kind of, I like doing this, but I wish the other writers were more pro music. Like, mm -hmm. I wish they didn't just post what they liked or like shit on what they didn't like. Mm-hmm. I get that Blink-182 is like really silly, especially now, like as an adult and looking at them as like grandfathers. It is funny, mm -hmm. but somebody likes it and they're out there doing what they love. So like, just be nice about it. And the, the, the guy that hired me was like, I'm actually starting a new site called that's good enough for me.com. And that's the premise is oh, like, wow. we publish everything. We publish a local band that's playing at a gym in Pennsylvania because it takes two seconds. Mm -hmm. They're going to share it. Probably more than the national artist is going to. Yeah. And oh, wow. we can just be a positive website, right? And so that, that's where I'm doing my, my band interviews and stuff okay. is, for, is for that website. Uh, if you remember Midtown, they were a pop punk band. The Midtown interview that I did with them over Zoom is going up uh, this Friday. But, yeah, it took a long time, though. I, like, mm -hmm. I, the, the editor looked at my writing. It was like... You look like maybe your dad's a journalism professor or something, but like you don't actually know anything. And I was like, "Yep, yeah, that's right." Yeah. Um, so what do you what do you do for punk news? I, I I uh, review albums. Okay, and uh, it's such a sweet title. You know, it's like I have punk news on my Facebook, so like there's still like weird Canadian guitar players that like add me on Facebook and they're like, "Hey, can you cover my oh, band?" Really? And I'm like, mm -hmm. "Yes." But email me and I'm going to star it and it's going to take me six years because yeah. <laughs> we're in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I still do both. Yeah. That's cool. Who have you gotten to talk to that you're most proud of? Um, I, I don't know. I don't, the, the thing that I've been getting out of the Zoom interview thing is I get to meet somebody that was like a hero to me. And mm -hmm. I've learned that a lot of heroes of mine are like totally ordinary people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I interviewed this guy, Adam Lorbach, and we're just like buddies now, but he was in a band called Homegrown that was like a, one of the biggest influences on JV All-Stars. Mm -hmm. Well, he's just like a youth pastor in California now. And then he gave up music a long time ago professionally. And so it's just, Weird. he's totally normal. <laughs> uh, my favorite thing that I've done has been like the Midtown interview. I interviewed a band called the Lawrence Arms, uh, a mm -hmm. band called Freeze Pop. At the end of those interviews, I like was like, all right, thanks, guys. And as I'm like stepping back, they're all like, no, thank you for Whoa. like for establishing this band reunion. I miss my band so much. And just to look at your faces and it was that's 
like the most rewarding thing about it, mm. especially while nobody can play shows or even practice together, was like I got to see those mo- those moments and they were very genuine, you know, like yeah. rendering it. I'm like, oh, <laughs> wipe a tear. <laughs> like I talked to, you know, the guitar player from Lesson Jake, the singer from Lesson Jake. Jeez. And he was like, I've played 300 shows a year for the last 25 years of my life. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I've been at home for a year. Like, so imagine what he's going through yeah. mm-hmm. and imagine why he responded to some weird kids yeah. like Instagram <laughs> post. Right. But like, that's wild. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it makes me appreciate touring musicians a lot more. I can't imagine being out for 300 days yeah. every year. And he's a parent with a wife and wow. hobbies, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. 300 days. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's what I'll say about that. Yeah. <laughs> How often were you guys touring in like the big days of JV All-Stars? We'd go out for these big like 30, 45 day things. And then we'd come home and like work for like two months, three months, Mm -hmm. and then go on another one. Nebraska's kind of a good advantage point because you can do a circle Mm -hmm. up to Washington, down (laughs) California, up Texas and back home. And then you can do the same thing on the East Coast. So we just kind of tried to rotate that as much as we could. Uh while we were home, we were booking tour. And you booked tour back then by getting on MySpace, <laughs> adding every single band or human being that lived in a city, and then <laughs> mass messaging everyone until somebody would bite. Yeah. And it was, like, terribly, like, it took so much work. Yeah. I'd have a drink in my hand, but I think I did that every night, <laughs> you know, for three hours. Yeah. Like, mm. And we had this philosophy in our band, like, if you commented on a photo, because we sold music that way, too. It was like, Mm -hmm. hey, I really like your purple shirt (laughs) in your profile picture. (laughs) Yes, I'm human. Now here's some copy-pasted shit about (laughs) how you should buy our new record, you know. Uh, So we went out a lot. We, We, like, pushed really hard for a long time. And it was either successful or you played in front of nobody or you got to a venue that closed two days before you got there. Uh, or you played a sweet show and the owner handed you like a sack of nickels mm. or you showed up and unloaded at a sweet show and the high school band played in, mm. in front of like 400 people and then all of them left while the drummer like took his drums apart on stage in slow motion. <laughs> mm. uh, I think that's called getting omaha <laughs> yeah, <I've yeah>. <laughs> No, I mean, you should see the people that have experienced that as many times as I have. My brother has too. So when you see us at something like Lincoln Exposed, mm-hmm. where there's like all these time crunches and, <laughs> and scheduling is so complicated, I've seen my brother take people's drums and just throw them off the stage. Like, <laughs> hey, you're done with that. It's my turn. Like, get out. And uh, I think that comes from kind of some PTSD of, of those events mm-hmm. unfolding. Yeah. But we slept in the van together a lot. Mm-hmm. We had a twin mattress in the back that two or three of us would share. And uh, Yeah. It was, it was fun, but there's no way my body would do it ever again. Yeah. <laughs> is it true you guys opened for Fallout Boy? Yeah, we did when they were nobody. Really? <laughs> that is so cool. Their, their record, uh, Take This to Your Grave, they had recorded it, and me and all my friends had it, and we were like, this is crazy good. Yeah. This is the best pop-punk record that's ever come out. And we played a show with them, and they, they killed it. They played that record front to back. Damn. And then they were on ESPN like three weeks later. <laughs> 
Wow. Like no joke. We like we ate at Perkins with them outside the ranch. Wow. Bar, and like it was just like hanging out with any other touring band. Definitely. And then Pete Wentz winked at somebody and. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> it was over from there. Um, did you guys do Warped Tour too? Yeah, back back when I was a kid. You could play Warped whenever you wanted. Oh, really? You just had to buy skinny jeans mm. and uh, a trucker hat. Yeah. And then uh, we, we all made laminates when we went on tour, like those lanyards that had all the tour dates on it. Oh, gotcha. We'd make them at Kinko's. <laughs> and if you had those, th- they were good, like icebreakers and stuff at the <laughs> mall and stuff, too. Like, oh, are you guys a band? Yeah. Like some, one time somebody came up to us in Lawrence, Kansas, and was like, hey, just got to say, your band changed my life. And I was like. I believe I was like I was like I bought it. I was like, wow. Thanks, dude. <laughs> and the guy was like, seriously, hey, Carl, come here. Look, I'm talking to that guy from Coheed and Cambria. <laughs> <laughs> and I had like what? six bucks in my bank account. Yeah. You know, like, uh, so yeah, back then you just parked where all the other vans and trailers parked in the back lot, and you just carried your gear and your merchant. Yeah. You set up a tent and uh you fought to get on. There were some stages called Kevin Says Stages, and you could just, like, trick your way onto them. Really? And we also won. This is funny. There was a can- there was a year that the Kansas City held a Battle of the Bands, like an Ernie Ball one, and every single band, all four bands that won the Battle of the Bands for Kansas City were from Lincoln. Oh, wow. And uh, I was in two of the bands at one, so I had to play two shows. <laughs> And they only gave the the warp tour only gave me one water, <laughs> since I was just one person. <laughs> so yeah, things were a lot different then, though. You know? Yeah. And uh, had not a lot of cell phones around back then. Either. Yeah, definitely. What? How is it different playing uh, like today versus back then, in kind of the era of like pop punk and like Battle of the Bands and classic like garage bands the biggest thing uh and on the, so knickerbockers rest in mm. peace they had all ages shows and so we naturally wanted to play those there were 30 year olds that are all ages shows but there were 16 year olds that are all ages shows too yeah the crowd is nuts <laughs> and you know our good shows on tour the crowd is nuts the, you know, breaking maybe some of the safe space rules that exist now about moshing and like, you know, you get like a boot in your head because somebody would jump off the stage or something and it sucked. But it was like, as long as everybody helped each other back up, that was our rule. Definitely. But if somebody runs into somebody really fast, that's okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but Knickerbockers also did these 18 and up shows and we and they paid better mm. because you got a cut of like the liquor sales oh. or something like that. Or I think you like you got to keep the whole door if you did an eighteen and up show. If you did an all ages show, they kept like three oh, out gotcha. of the five bucks or something. Since the kids weren't buying any anything, yeah. water, mm-hmm. you know. So it makes <laughs> sense. I love those guys, and I'm still friends with the, the two guys that own that place. When we first started playing the the late shows, it was like, "Where's the energy, guys? Like we're on stage, like putting it all out there, and everybody in the crowd just has their arms crossed and they're watching you." <laughs> well, at some point. That just became the norm. Like, not only do I remember when we stopped playing all ages shows because our youngest fan is like 25, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but like, w- and you know, Thirst Things First is a dancey band. There's a lot of really talented bands that get people to nod their heads and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's not nearly anything like the p- 
pandemonium that used mm-hmm. to exist. Mm-hmm. And that kind of goes with the genre as well. Pop punk was about everybody in the crowd jumping at the same time, and, you know, <laughs> like circle pits and all. And yeah. like, you're not going to do that at a Thirstings for a show. <laughs> I've played some pubs and stuff with the Killigans where like six drunk fat guys oh, decide yeah. they're going to do a circle pit <laughs> until one of them like knocks over a pool table. Uh, but I definitely miss, you know, I, I could put my guitar down at those all ages shows and, and crowd surf mm-hmm. and I'd get caught. And, you know, Thirsting's first shows, I'd knock over seven <laughs> drinks out of seven people's hands. <laughs> Did you ever play at The Rock in Omaha? Yes. Really? Yeah, JB All Stars played at The Rock a lot. And same energy level. Mm-hmm. That place, there's like 500 kids in it going nuts. <laughs> and from my understanding, that place was a religious venue that um. was that had an affiliation with like a church across the street. So I, when I first heard about it, there were these like Christian rock bands that play there that we were kind of buddies with. And they're like, oh, well, you guys can't play with us. And we were like, why not? And they're like, it's just a Christian band club. And we were like, oh, that's silly. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> we're going to go play a real show. Uh, and I remember my friend Christian played in this band called Haven 21. And he was like, dude, does JVA want to play with, with Haven? I was like, sure. It's like, it's at The Rock. We're going to get 600 kids there. <laughs> and I was like, I thought that you had to be a Christian man. He's like, I told the lady we were Christian. <laughs> yes. And I think the lady just saw the success of that show. Yeah. And just like never, ever followed that r- rule again. Really? That being said, her like, when I first played there, it was this clean, pristine place with like a, a concession stand up top. Yeah. It was like you could lick the floor. It was so clean. <laughs> And it, it, it was just like one summer of JBA Haven 21 shows, and there were people like having sex in the bathrooms <laughs> and like kids like, you know, doing drugs and drinking and breaking the rules and the community protesting, yeah, the yeah. lewd behavior in the parking lot and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, that place was so much fun at that time. It, it turned into more of like a sell tickets to get paid type of scheme. Near yeah. the end there, and so I think everybody was just like, "All right, well, we're done with that place." And then I, I think it got struck by lightning. <laughs> <laughs> really <laughs> serves them right. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I, you know, my brother a little bit, right, Joe? I didn't know that you were related. Really? Okay. Well, yeah, that's my brother. Um, okay. So I, I have a little bit of insight into like that era, mm-hmm. and I, I've, I spend a lot of time thinking about how cool it is to me. Um. And I'm also a Sharks fan. So when I saw that you did that Happy New Year's Eve party mm-hmm. cover with everybody, my, I, it just kind of blew my mind. Like, how did that come to be? I, throughout my life, I've held on to songs from bands that were around for a twinkle of a moment. Yeah. <laughs> where I was like, this is a good song. You know, in this case, I had to, I had to badger Joe actually to get me the MP3. Oh I, really? I knew he was the one that was going to have it. Yeah. I reached, I reached out to like Ryan Hawes and he was like, eh, Cody's in another planet now. I think. Yeah. But, uh, that was, that was just, so I played in a ska band called totally awesome fun band for a while. Uh, with my brother, he played trombone and I drummed and we played the rock quite a bit too. And throughout our short time of being a band, we covered that happy new year's Eve party song. 
Oh, really? Because we played a New Year's Eve show, and our singer was like, hey, dude, have you ever noticed that that song's like the easiest song in the entire <laughs> world, but it's iconic at the same time? So as soon as I had the idea to try to do a group song project for COVID, I was like, I can get everybody on board if they hear this song, Yeah, I think. Because it was just easy enough, but just memorable enough. And yeah, I had a lot of people uh, join me for that. I can't remember, maybe 17 other artists performed on that video with me. It's on my YouTube channel. <laughs> I said I was going to give to Save the Stages, and then I got $6.45 oh, in donations. No. And I did maybe kind of spend it. But <laughs> Well, I was like, all right, so what do I do? Just go to 1867 and buy $7 yeah. like, worth of beer? <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was a super fun project. And I, 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 re I refer to these moments as like little micro projects mm. where like, I'm so anxious. This is never ending. I need to find something to work on. Mm -hmm. Like interviewing the bands on Zoom or doing that New Year's Eve video or writing the TTF record. They're like keeping me alive. They're the moments at night where I actually get to smile and hmm. take a deep breath and be by myself. So. Yeah. Um, are there any other like bands or songs like that from around this area that have kind of like been lost Oh, time. absolutely. Uh, there was a band called the Cuter Thens, mm -hmm. and they sounded like Jonathan Richmond, kind of. Super cute. Head Bobby <laughs> Pop. Uh, they weren't even punk. Uh, they were punk because they played shows at, you know, wretched venues with us. Definitely. Um, and the singer from the Cuter Thens started a, a pop group called Roarbot that inspired this band from grand island called science ninja team and both of those bands used fruit like fruit loops fruity loops and uh like nes noises and stuff and those two bands and darren keen obviously i gotta bring him up like everything he does is is absolutely great um first things first definitely wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Roarbot and science ninja team uh i have to think about more iconic songs yeah <laughs> You you don't really know how how great they are until they all hate each other and break up, mm. Mm. and one of them moves to Oregon or something. Yeah, like, man, I should have watched that band perform more. Yeah, it's kind of sad, but I guess that's the way it goes. <laughs> I will uh, I will say, uh, my brother plays in Universe Contest. Sweats. Really excited to see them perform again. Uh, Domestica, mm. super excited to. I, I don't know what histrionic is going to be. I don't know if I'm going to be maybe on the stage oh, with yeah, her yeah. or in the crowd, but I'm <laughs> excited to, to watch her sing those songs again. That's very cool. Um, one other thing, throwing it back a little bit more, uh, Sucka Punch Records. Yeah. What was that? So long story short, <laughs> we, uh, I moved to Lincoln because I was inspired by the JV All-Stars. They were a three-piece mm. band that had been around for a couple years. I played in a high school band called Same Old Crap, and I moved. <laughs> yeah, it's a great name. <laughs> we named uh, our bassist Frank, named the band the day of our first show. <laughs> we were the killer clowns from outer space, and he changed it. Wait, is that a different band, or what is that? Same Old Crap. No, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. That's something else, right? There's that's a movie. Okay, it's like that's a, what I thought. An yeah. iconic, campy movie. It's probably the name of a band. I well, I'm thinking of the movie. I think. Yeah. It, yeah, it's a creepy movie. I check it out. <laughs> uh, so same old crap. Moved to Lincoln to play shows with the JV All Stars. Really. And uh, fizzled out pretty quickly. 
and I got to join the JV All Stars, which was awesome. Nick, How did you go about doing that. Uh, it was actually kind of funny. <laughs> I said, Nick, listen to Homegrown, listen to Fall Out Boy. You guys need two guitar players, <laughs> and I'm the one that's going to do it. I'm better than you at guitar. We're going to do this. <laughs> I can sing harmonies, and you guys can, you know, sound like JV All Stars, but catch up with. You know, again, Fall Out Boy, Homegrown, No Use for Name, No Effects. You got to have two guitar players. Yeah. And Nick was like, okay, of course, Mikey, you're one of my best friends. <laughs> and I didn't hear from him for a couple of days. It's <laughs> like, what's up? He's like, my drummer and bass player don't really like you. <laughs> Aw. Jeez. Uh, the drummer quit. Uh, the drummer was like, just kind of down. He got out of a breakup or something mm. and just quit music. Wow. Never heard from him ever again. Wow. Uh, I was like, hey, Nick, <laughs> I think I can work on the bass player. <laughs> Let me be in the band. I can work on also, you can have this 14-year-old drummer, Maddie Sanders, that I just discovered that's going to be in same old crap. And he's like, all right. <laughs> and uh, the bass player was uh, in my wedding party, obviously. We're best friends, Eric Mello. He, wow. he thought I did drugs or something. Oh. I was real skinny back then and uh, as just as obnoxious as I am right now. <laughs> and I think that he just thought I was a scuzzball. But he, he came around. Eventually. He came around. Yeah. <laughs> Him and I had like morning shift in the tour van. Because back then, mm. back then you didn't just sit and look at your Facebook feed on your phone when you were in somebody else's car. Like, yeah. I sat shotgun with MapQuest directions mm. and, you know, coffee and made sure he was awake and <laughs> we'd listen to music and yeah, we got to know each other really well. And we'd share a twin mattress in the back of <laughs> a Walmart parking lot after the show. So yeah, those guys are my brothers and they always yeah. were. Mm. So anyways, Nick got the first big boy job out of any, any person in the scene. He wrote for like a railroad newsletter. Uh, yeah. Random. He had an English degree. And so he was like, okay, I'm either going to be a bartender or I'm going to write. So. <laughs> uh, so he got this little job, and he got paid. I want to I, I predict how much he made because it seemed like so much at the time, but yeah. it was probably like 10 bucks an hour. <laughs> but he made enough money to get a credit card. And so he maxed out his credit card, putting out one of our friend's band's records. He's like, mm, if you guys wow. pay me, like we knew if Nick maxes out his credit card, so that we can press 500 of these things. We're going to make the money back at Knickerbockers in one night. And then Nick can pay off his credit card. And then the next band can step in. And so we did that. And then throughout the process, we did some compilations. And we said, we should call this a record label or something. <laughs> the drummer from Same Old Crap that quit the day before I moved to Lincoln named Sucker Punch Records. Really? <laughs> Mike Lindau. Uh, he, and he was just like, you know what would be a sweet name for a label? <laughs> Suck a punch. <laughs> and I was like 17, like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we did that for a long time. And then our, we, our bands actually started to get a little better. There is a DN article about the first Suck a Punch record compilation. Oh. Where we, we just get shredded to pieces. <laughs> <laughs> and this girl was like, in, she was into like Rilo Kylie and stuff. Mm. So like, it was like double hatred. It's like, not only do these guys suck, but how dare they even try? 
and she showed up to our CD release show at Knickerbockers to like apologize. Oh wow! And like three hundred people booed her, and <laughs> and she, I think she cried, and I think maybe Nick was the one that like made the piece because he was the one that like set up this whole review of our album. Okay. But she oh was like, these God. guys can't sing, they can't write music. It was, and I, I, I looked at it o- over the last year. Over the last year, I've reevaluated everything I've ever done, <laughs> you know, while stuck at yeah. home and revisited every band I've ever been a part of. So if you look at the DN website somewhere, you'll find it. And it, it says, uh, suck a punch. P.S. Sucks a button. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> but so we, our band started to get a little better. And then we put out some comps with like good bands like Big D and the Kids Table, the Gamets. Some more known bands were on some of our later comps. We hawked those at Warp Tour for a couple summers. And then JV All Stars started trying so hard that we just put all of our focus into that. Also, the IRS asked Nick via 40 letters that he never opened why his credit card would max out and magically fill back up without any money in his bank account. (laughs) (laughs) So the IRS, he, he got in trouble because they were just like, Cause he's doing these tra- like loan shark cash things <laughs> and uh, they're like, so we noticed that every third Friday after you leave Knickerbockers, your bank account suddenly has $2,000. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that's the story of the sucker punch. We, we talk all the time about doing a new comp or like, really? and then it's like, eh, I'm just going to worry about myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Will the JV all-stars be back? Yeah, I mean, we talk about it all the time. Uh, I'm in a group text with JV All-Stars, a group text with TTF, and a group text with the Killigans, and yeah. a group text with my family. And it goes off all day. <laughs> and uh, it's just a matter, for JVA, it's just a matter of all, everybody being on board at the same time. So, like, I'm always yeah. ready to write, but I have a luxury to be able to do that. I work on a computer, you know, yeah. I'm a... IT guy so I can write a demo and listen to it all day and think about lyrics in my head while I'm working like Nick is on his feet managing a restaurant and a bar Mm. so he gets home and he has enough time to like smoke a cigarette and go to bed yeah (laughs) especially these days yeah you know he's running that place by himself so he's on vacation right now which is why we've been texting more (laughs) you know his wife is texting us like Stop texting there. <laughs> Let him enjoy himself. Yeah, he's on family vacation in Florida. <laughs> and now you guys are going to start talking about New York? Because we did. You know, last week we started talking about oh, wow. whether or not it would be realistic to do six songs or something. Um, and we do a show every year. Mm-hmm. You know, we were the last band to ever play on stage at Knickerbockers, which is like super oh, killer. Wow. We, we played the last show and we played the last set. And it was wow. emotional and rad and drunk <laughs> we got done playing and everybody was like we have to finish everything that's left at the bar tonight <laughs> like uh i drank oh i drank three like mike's hard cranberry lemonades in like one sitting like i had all three of them <laughs> so it was important for us to play like once a year and we always tried to make sure that Matt, when Maddie went to college for recording, he moved to Arizona. Mm-hmm. We were like, we needed to do one show before we leave so that we have our one for 2010 or oh, whatever yeah. year that was. Well, December of 2019 was approaching, and we said, hey, you know what? I think people are starting to take this for granted. I'm, I'm getting a lot of jokes from my friends like, mm. no, I'll just go to JVA's next show <laughs> next year. <Yeah. laughs> 
And so we were like, let's stick it to them and not do one in 2019. So they asked mm. for one in 2020, which we couldn't do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's horribly ironic. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to. I'm always on board for that stuff. Yeah. It's, do you remember the time that band breakups were no longer a thing and bands started going on? permanent hiatus mm, and that's that yeah. was the new terminology yeah i think it's because <laughs> like i think that published publicist publicist wise it was like they're still best friends yeah mm. like who knows yeah <laughs> why why say something like that yeah when it's not negative yeah um what do you have in store in the future it seems like you have so many projects that like i need to take a step back really <laughs> yeah uh yeah, I, I think I want to. Fin- I'm gonna finish season three of Who's Zoom and Who. So that's good enough for me. The the Zoom interview series. Mm. I've shot three of them. I'm shooting the fourth tomorrow. I'm trying to do seasons of ten. Okay. Mm. And then I might take a break, because it's really stressful and it it kind of bugs me like nagging people. Yeah. <laughs> like, this some forty one guy said he would do it, and you know. Now I, I, he was like, I was like, can you ask the other guys to do it? And he was like, sure, I'll ask. And that was <laughs> yesterday. And it's happening tomorrow. Oh, no. And so it's like, it reminds me of booking DIY tour. Like, hey, <laughs> I know I emailed you yesterday. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that that show was still on and ask you again if you found an opener. Yeah. You know, uh, it's just not a great feeling. Uh it's great. It's fun. And then I'll, I'll pump out some album reviews at my leisure. <laughs> you guys are journalist people. Like, once you re- review 50 albums, you can write 10 with your eyes closed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The drummer passionately yeah. showcases his drums. <laughs> Electrifying <laughs> guitar bits. Uh, album reviews are fun because I can kind of pick and choose. If something's coming out that I'm super excited about, that I'm going to listen to anyways, and it's easy. But... Yeah, music-wise, I had all these ideas and this solo project and all this stuff, mm-hmm. but I think I decided I'm just going to do Thirsting's First and Killigan's and just try to give it my all there. Yeah. Thirsting's First has an album that is completely recorded that we're just waiting to mix. Oh, wow. And It's not the Death Race one? No, that's brand one. new, yeah. Okay. I wrote the Death Race. I started it in the middle of January. <laughs> and then something <laughs> happened. You know, it was this lightning bolt. Like, my bandmates were like, dude. That's awesome. Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> and nothing significant changed. I just like, I don't know. I just got, I like finally moved out of like watching food, competitive food eaters on YouTube for two <laughs> hours. Because I spent a lot of time the last year doing that too. Yeah. Weirdly, mm. I went through that same phase, I think. There was, so I watched, really? yeah. there's this guy named Randy Seitel and he does the thing where he like goes to the restaurant that has the like, impossible to eat steak and potatoes and if you finish it under a half hour then you get like a free t-shirt so he tours and does this wow and then i started watching this suggested this little petite girl named katina katina eats kilos and she was doing the exact same thing and i started noticing that she was like the underdog nobody really knew who she was uh but she's like a bodybuilder so one of those really tiny people they could like hold a car over their head. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, so I'm proud to say on this DN podcast that throughout this last year of me watching these food competitions, and I watch them at like 1.5 speed, 
Because really, it's just. <laughs> right. Uh, I just did the, the the hand motion of feeding myself very yeah. quickly. Oh, yeah. uh, Randy Seitel and Katina Eats Kilos decided to do an episode together, and they <gasps> fell in love. And they're, <laughs> and they're engaged, and they and they're on each other's shows permanently now. What? <laughs> oh my god! Like six white claws deep, bag of chips in my hand, one thirty in the morning, like bawling my eyes out. <laughs> that love. Can still exist at this difficult time. <laughs> oh my God! What a love story for you know today's day. <laughs> it got lost in millions of YouTube comments, but I, I I commented with, "I hope you guys have two bathrooms." <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's funny. I can't say I've ever met anybody who watched competitive food eating videos on youtube it's, i didn't know that weird. was really a thing you ever watch bad badlands chugs no oh, so that guy's incredible so this is this is kind of sad too when, when we're talking about uh artists that are just like kind of just nobody's now but when and this was a staple to whiskey wednesday actually mm. there was a show called epic mealtime on youtube oh yeah, yeah where they would make like oh i know that one yeah they'd make like a burrito the size of a human <laughs> and they they'd all eat it and waste a lot of it. Yeah. But like it was bigger is better. And let's make the biggest pizza ever. And uh, they were the biggest show on YouTube. And so we every week it was like Wednesday. It's like pick up the whiskey. Then we're going to watch South Park. We're going <laughs> to check out New Epic Mealtime. And then we're going to like hammer out some of this Thirsting's first backstory. <laughs> so the and, you know, they, there was like people on the show that came and went. But there was this one guy, Harley that was like the lead host. Well, he just started it back up because he gained like yeah. 200 pounds and was depressed and did a, a show about like how he's like, I was in the best shape of my life when I was doing this show. And then we stopped getting views because people started like watching eating competitions or like chug puke challenges and okay. stuff. And they're like, we invented this. Yeah. We invented YouTube cooking and other people took it and just like moved it in a different direction. And they kind of, they kind of did the same thing over and over again. So eventually it was going to get old. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like three weeks ago was his first episode of the new Epic Meal Time. And I thought, oh, that's why the food competition stuff was even being recommended to me because I used to watch this every Wednesday with oh. my buddies. It all circles back. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I don't like, I tried to watch like Jackass the other day. Oh. And it got to some like it got to some like pukey stuff, and I was like, yeah. I don't know. How I used to watch it. <laughs> I used to like cook a five course meal and like oh. watch yeah. it. You know, like. So I don't know. The internet's in a very strange place, yeah. And that's something that I've been watching yeah. is uh, this couple eating seafood challenges. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what we all need right now. Makes you damn hungry at 1 a.m. though. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Well, what do you say we end it there? Sounds Can like I say it. Black Lives Matter? Sure, yeah. Black Plug whatever you want to do. Take it away from here. Oh, Black Lives Matter. Cool. That's a wrap. <laughs>